Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. My humour um, derails me at the best of times. The thing I love about this church is this banter, like people talk and stuff. It can be off-putting, but I really like that about you lot. So feel free. Uh, Mark said to me before, because we had this running joke, he said, I will. I looked at his jumper early and I said, oh, does that come in men's? Just a, so that's just laying the laying the oh gosh I've I actually looked at the tag and I said oh Noni B but um <laughs> too too young I don't know what the equivalent is anymore um anyway my name's Adrian uh, we've been at the church I'm married I've got two kids um, five year old Tyler who's making the kids' church leaders regret their decision. And a one-and-a-half-year-old who's, she's very sweet. Um, we've been at the Granary for about a year and a half now. And I just want to say I love this church. I was um, in ministry in another life, and there is something about the Granary that is, is quite unique, and you need to know that. There is something about this church that is very, very unique. And so I just want to um, I want to say thank you for allowing me to speak tonight, Sue, but also to honour you and Graham because I know it's it's always done for for what you guys have fostered in this place. Um, it's a great church, and being a pastor is really hard. Could you imagine you at your worst, and then times that by a thousand people whinging at you constantly? That's basically ministry. It sounds awful, doesn't it? And yet some people continue to turn up year on year, 20 years later, because she and the team believe in this place. And so can we continue to pray for our leaders, especially Sue and Graham, but also can we give them a round of applause? Because I just think that's amazing. It is not an easy thing because of you bunch. The title of this series is called Loving Others, and I've nailed it straight off the bat. So... Um, it's called Loving Others, and I just, I just think it's a great message. We've been reading a book called B-L-E-S-S. It's called BLESS, but it's an acronym. Um, Sue spoke last week about beginning with prayer. L is for listening, and so I'm just asking you to listen tonight because that's what the book says to do. And um, no, it's about listening to others, listening to others before you speak. I wrote in my notes to share something embarrassing about myself. And so I will do that. I was writing to school one day and there is a point to this story. I'll get to it later. And I'm the youngest of seven kids. So I had a hand-me-down bike. Who else has hand-me-downs in their life? Lots of hand-me-downs. Um, I had a hand-me-down bike. I'm not sure whose it was, but the chain wasn't very good on it. And I knew that about this bike, but I, it would get stuck. And so you'd have to look down and adjust the chain with your foot as you're riding and I was going to any I think I was going to an exam or something and anyway I was adjusting the chain as per usual but there was a large vehicle parked in the bike lane at this time and I wasn't riding with a helmet because I lived about 500 meters maybe a kilometer to school not very far and so I knew the truck was there 
but I was obviously going much faster than I knew I was. And so I adjusted the chain and before it was, could realize I was like right at the truck. And so I tried to get around it, but I ended up clipping the side of it, went over the handlebars, knocked myself out on the road into oncoming traffic. So it was, it was not ideal. And the worst part about it, as I came to, all my mates were lived at Saltash and they were on the same bus. And it just came past as I was like, it was, it was really bad. But anyway, one of my friend's dad was happened to be the first car and so he pulled me off the road and um, it was pretty bad. Mum was in a course that day. She didn't come very quickly to help me. And dad said, I'll meet you at the hospital. Youngest of seven, see, they'd, you'll be right. And I was okay. I had braces at the time, so things happened. But anyway, so that's my embarrassing story. I'll, let's pause there and I'll come to that later. So tonight I want to look, I want to dive into Luke 10 and starting from the verse in 25 where Jesus has this exchange with an expert in the law and then delivers the parable about the Good Samaritan. Who knows the parable of the Good Samaritan? I feel like everyone knows that. But first up, I want to say this. We only get 20 minutes kind of with you in this mode, like a talking mode each week. And so it's not a lot. And so I'm not a big believer in cuddly messages. I think it's a little bit of a waste of time. And so um, there's this great quote that says, may we not give water to those that thirst, but salt that they may thirst more. And so tonight, this message, I hope to be like a healthy dose of salt to actually not, not make you feel good great, encourage you definitely, but that you would, you would seek after God even more after this. If it makes you angry, if you disagree with me, you simply just don't like what I have to say, that's great. This could be my last time anyway, so whatevs, right? <laughs> but the point is I want to rupture something in you that pushes you to seek God even more, to lift your eyes to the Creator, as I said before, and to see Jesus a little more clearly. And so if you start to feel some of these feelings, I want you to stop before you write that email to Sue saying, please don't let him back up on stage, pray this, Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, and this is the um, amplified version. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Is that okay? So before you move into those feelings, stop and go, Search me, O oh God, why am I feeling this way? What is it about this message? So Luke 10, 25 to 37, it says on this, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify this expert as they do. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Remember that. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw all the men, he passed on the other side of the road. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. 
But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, then put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Okay, uh, let's just get something about Who's ever, ever seen someone approaching on the sidewalk and like crossed over? Is anyone ever? Few, few hands, let's be honest. Um, who's ever faked a phone call? Look at you go. Everyone's sheepishly. Who's just plain and simply just looked up, acknowledged the person existed, but just kept walking? Maybe not even a high. This is good. We're, we're in shame together. This is great. I've, I've done all those things. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it, when you really reflect on that. But we've, we've all been there. Kind of just like, oh, I don't have the time for that person. Too hard basket right now. Don't have the energy. Whatever it might be, we've all done this. So the question I have is, as I read this, it really strikes me this question about motivation. Why was one man more motivated than the other to help? Now, is it a question about love? Maybe. Maybe it's a question about love. There's, there's a guy called Nietzsche. Nietzsche, he's like a well-known atheist from, I guess, the 1800s, I think it was. He wrote this book, is it 18? Earlier. Uh, in, the book, in his book called The Antichrist, he says this quote. He said, the Christian does not know love. He only knows pity, the disguised form of hatred. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? He only knows pity, the disguised form of hatred. He was a philosopher who was critical of Christianity. He argued that Christianity is a religion of weakness and that it teaches people to be dependent on God. It's kind of what we, I mean, he's right. But he didn't believe God existed, so that's kind of the point. Like, He also argued that the Christian love is not real love, but rather a form of pretty. In this quote, he's saying that the Christian love is not real love because it is not based on a genuine concern for the other person. Instead, it is based on this desire to feel superior to the other person. He argues that Christians love their neighbors in place of themselves, meaning that they are not actually concerned with the well-being of the other person, but rather with using the other person to make themselves feel better. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? I won't ask for hands on who agrees and who disagrees, but it's, I feel like as I read this out, some of you might be like, Definitely that guy. We've all come across a Christian like that, right? Like, I feel like we can kind of see what he's getting at. But there is a rebuttal, a really beautiful rebuttal. And it comes from Henry Nouwen, a Dutch Catholic priest and theologian. who He died in 96. And he writes in his book, The Wounded Healer, he says this, Compassion asks us to go where it hurts. To enter into the places of pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, anguish. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those who are in tears. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powerless. Get this, compassion means 
full immersion in the condition of being human. Full immersion in the condition of being human. That's pretty beautiful, isn't it? That he's arguing that Christianity is actually about the acceptance of all of these things and immersing ourselves so fully in them that we can wrestle this out. This quote is a reminder uh, that compassion is not simply a feeling of pity or sympathy like Nietzsche suggests. It is an active, intentional act of entering the pain and suffering of others. It is a willingness to be vulnerable and to share in the brokenness of the world. It's kind of the picture of Jesus, right? Full immersion, complete and utter immersion in humanity, so much so that the Son of God immerses himself, comes as a baby. That is the gospel. So for me, it's less about pity or compassion, but about fully immersing myself in life, to share in humanity, to wrestle with the divine in our search of meaning and purpose, the divine, to wrestle, what does this mean? What is the purpose of this? Who's ever had pain in their life, suffering? Like you, you tend to ask these questions like, what? why me? Why? Just in general. To wrestle with the divine in our search for meaning and purpose. And so this, this is not a question about who my neighbor is. Who is my neighbor? That is not the question here. The question is who am I neighbor to? Who am I immersing myself in? Who am I sitting with? Who am I actually neighbor to in this moment? Okay, now that feels like scripture wrapped in a bow. But as I mentioned, I'm not here to kind of cuddle you. So I just want to just add a little bit of salt. Let's do that. Are we okay with that? Are we still with you? Okay, point one is this. The expert in law asked this question, who is my neighbor? It says this, he answered the, the law expert, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? It's a simple question. It, it could come across as I just want to clarify something. But if we look a little deeper, it's actually a very evil question, really evil. See, the question, who is my neighbor, is one of the most demonic questions we can ask, especially in the face of the gospel. Why? Because the underlying question is this, who can I exclude? It's not who is my neighbor. He's asking the question, who can I exclude? There's a theologian, uh, Walter Wink, and he argued that this question is is like the question in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 where the serpent comes and he says, but God, did God really say? Did God really say? So who can I exclude? Did you actually hear correctly? Both questions are attempts to avoid doing what God asks of us. Salty, hey? Feels good. So... When we ask, who is my neighbor, we are essentially saying, this, this is what we're essentially saying, that we are better than those who are different from us. We're trying to define our neighbor in a way that excludes those who we don't like or agree with. 
that fake phone call. <laughs> it's, I feel like I stitched you up with that question because now I'll use it against you. That's kind of what we do in preaching. Hmm. Doesn't sound so encouraging after all. Uh, that's not true. When we ask, did God really say, we're essentially saying that we know better than God. We are trying to find loopholes in God's commands so that we can avoid doing what God asks of us. See, Wink argued that both of these questions are rooted in the same sin, in pride. When we ask these questions, we are putting ourselves above God and above others, above the divine and above his children. It's a pretty prideful position, isn't it? See, we're saying that we are more important than God's commands and then the needs of others. Who can I exclude? The scripture goes on. There's something really incredible about this next passage, which is the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we read it like, oh, yeah, two guys are not nice and one guy is. Well, it, there's actually like a much deeper thing going on here. So the point two, point, observation two is what do you see? A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed on by the other side. So too a Levite when he came to the place and saw him passed on the other side. When I read this, my, my head goes, well, why didn't Jesus just say one man got beaten up, two men were walking down the road and crossed the other side and one man stopped and helped? Like he's very explicit. He says a priest and a Levite as I dove into this, it really is wanting to point out that the two people that ignored the man were Jewish. The law of Moses, also known as the Torah, is the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. It contains several laws and commands, including those that deal with the social justice. One commandment is love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus 19.18. This commandment has been interpreted by many to mean that Jews should help their fellow Jews, regardless of their financial or social status. But however, the law of Moses does not explicitly state that the Jews should help Samaritans. In fact, there are some passages in the Torah that suggest that Jews should not associate with Samaritans. Deuteronomy 7.3. So let's ask the question again. Why didn't Jesus just say three men? He's very explicit. It's because of this, Jesus is making a point that we are called to move past difference toward the person. We are called to move past difference towards the person. That's why he didn't just say a couple of men were jerks and didn't help a guy. Like, we are called to move past difference toward the person. This is not aligning, about aligning yourself with a person. It's about aligning yourself with the gospel. Move past difference. Do you see difference? Move towards the person. Do you disagree? Move towards the person. Do you dislike? Move towards the person. Do you deserve better? Move towards the person. See, this goes against everything that Nietzsche bloke was saying. <laughs> this is not about pity. This is all about compassion. With Jesus as our role model, was he struck by a person's behavior or their humanity? The gospel is not about behavior modification. It's about the person. We have to move past difference. So my question to you is this. Who are you excluding? I made a list to help us all just because, you know, didn't want you to shut down now. People of other religions, 
people of other ethnicities, vegans. It's an easy choice. What about this? People of other sexual orientation, people of other political preference, family member, a work colleague, Qu Queen Queenslanders. It's state of origin time, so the question, who are you excluding? I know I, I dropped some humor in there, but there is a, who are you excluding? I wrote this as we were in, in worship. God is calling the church to stop writing exclusion lists and start crossing the road. This is not about, this is not about you. This is about what God has called us to, to cross the road, to look past difference, to bring people in and to care for them and to show them Jesus. That is our job. That is it. That's our job. Who are you excluding? See, if we're honest with ourselves, we're, we're all asking that question. Who is my neighbor? Who can I exclude? So what can we do about it? In Matthew 5, we see Jesus up a mountain and he began teaching this, the Sermon on the Mount. He starts with what we know as the Beatitudes. And it's an invitation into the mess. It's what it is. Matthew 5, 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those that move past difference and chase peace with another, regardless of the differences. Who are you excluding? Going on from Sue's message last week where she talked about prayer, I want to read this quote from Kierkegaard and then I'm going to wrap up and then kind of invite you to do some things. And he says this, There is indeed a big dispute going on in the world about what should be called the highest. But whatever it is called now, whatever variations there are, it is unbelievable how much prolixity is involved in taking hold of it. Christianity, however, immediately teaches a person the shortest way to, way to find, find the highest. Shut your door and pray to God because God is surely the highest. If someone goes out in the world to try and find the beloved or a friend, he can go a long way and go in vain, can wander around the world and in vain. But Christianity, get this, is never responsible for having a person go even a single step in vain because when you open the door that you shut in order to pray to God and go out, the very first person you meet is the neighbor whom you shall love. Isn't that cool? That we as Christians, nothing we do is in vain. God would not call us to do anything in vain. And the next step, whoever you see is your neighbor, not because of their beliefs, not because of what they do, not because of what you disagree with. The next person is your neighbor. 
Who are you excluding? Hey, let's pray. God, I just um, I just thank you that you sent your son to model this for us, that we are not alone in trying to work this out. God, I've, I've raised some questions tonight that really cut to the core of humanity. Who are we excluding? So God, would you help us in this next little bit, this week, this month, to look past difference and to see another child of God, to look past whatever we disagree with and see a child of God. Help us be neighbours too, not asking the question, who is our neighbour? Amen. So tonight I want to I ask us to do two things. And, and the first one is to ask for forgiveness. I think... I think that's an appropriate response to that question. Because I feel like if you're anything like me and I say, I read out that list and there's, that's only a few. And then I ask the question, who are you excluding? You, you, you're, you, could, you could tick a box there. There's probably some people that come to your, to your list pretty quickly. And I'm not saying run towards those that have hurt you and there is some real pain that I'm not saying step towards. But I am saying step towards God in all of, all of those things and to ask for forgiveness for your views, for the way that you've spoken about a particular group, for a way that you see them, your internal thoughts, your biases racism, injustice, whatever it might be. There's some big topics there. Start with forgiveness. God, I'm sorry. And then this, this next part to it is you need to take action. And that is like the Good Samaritan is this week. What does the next step look like? What is what does it look like for you to step towards those that are the other, the ones that you exclude? The ones you disagree with. What does it look like? I would simply ask, maybe the first step is to pray for them. And, but get this, not, not pray for their change. <laughs> because we all know we can disagree with people and we want them to change. God, would you show them the light? Well, who says you're correct? Just pray for them that they would encounter God. The Son of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Leave the change up to Him. Just pray for them as a person. Who needs a bottle of water after that message? I'm sorry that it was like, I really wanted to have a little bit of a dig tonight because I, I just feel like we as a church, not just the granny, but a church globally, are in a moment where we need to look past difference. We are well accounted for all the things we disagree with as a church, as a faith group. We can't be that anymore. We need to stop the exclusion list and we just need to tell people about Jesus. So um, I want us to just to pray that before we go and run off and do the thing and forget about the message and just all you remember is a guy with, I don't know what you remember, don't really care that much. Um, but before you leave, 
just to pray. If all you get out of tonight is that you spent the next couple of minutes asking for forgiveness, I think that's a pretty good start. Um, the prayer team, as per usual, come out. And if you need prayer, help, help, need prayer in kind of processing some of that stuff or you feel you want some support, then please, like, now is the moment. Don't go into another week just kind of winging it. May this be kind of like a line in the sand moment for us as a church, for you and your life. Is that cool? I think um, I'll put the slide up of Psalm, yeah, this one, Psalm 139. Maybe you just want to read this out. Maybe you just want to read that over and over. If you don't have words for a prayer right now, that's probably a good step. Let's pray, hey? Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.